Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest uh, vodcast. And this will be on dual energy CT and vascular imaging. And this is a talk I gave at NASCI, the uh, Cardiac Society in Pasadena, California, this past weekend. And what I was just going to look at is some of the practical applications. And when you look at dual energy scanning, there are many vascular applications, and they're growing. I think the one that really in practice works the best and really can help you in terms of workflow is when vascular studies are done when automated bone removal would be critical. And this includes runoff studies, for example, carotid artery imaging, or imaging the base of the skull, circle of Willis, for example. I think it also can be helpful for virtual non-contrast CT for endovascular stent follow-up. In that case, you can reduce the radiation dose of the patient by not doing non-contrast. Work by Dave Nadich and others looking at pulmonary embolism with blood flow maps, myocardial perfusion imaging, and in fact, we're working on some tumor imaging now. So there are many things you can do, but let's, in this talk, look at the things that I believe are probably the most practical for most people. Now, when you do dual energy peripheral CTA, and I'll start with the peripheral vasculature first, in many ways, everything you do for single energy is the same. You have to design the protocol for the right area of coverage, the injection protocol, the timing of acquisition. All that ends up being the same. What changes is the post-processing and display of the CT data sets, particularly the post-processing. So you need to understand how to do these runoff studies, and we discussed that in other lectures, whether you're triggering off the lower abdominal aorta, the SFA or popliteal. Again, the danger usually is scanning too early. But again, you need to have that down pad, and dual energy is not going to help you if you make a mistake. And whether you're doing test injections at the knee or whether you're doing different table speed, all of those things are indeed extremely important. And again, we're assuming that you've got a quality data set, and now we're going to analyze the data set. When we analyze the data set, we use all the techniques from axial imaging through multiplanar, through curved planar, MIP, and volume rendering. And especially the latter two is where the dual energy is most helpful. Now, in cases like this, where the patient has uh, vascular elos danlos with big iliac artery aneurysms, I, I love to show this case, even though there's some high-density material in the right colon, what you can see is that it's a younger patient, good opacification of the vessels without any calcification, and the bones look good. And so when you do automated bone removal, it comes out really well. Whether you're looking at celiac or SMA or renal arteries or the iliacs, it comes out incredibly well. And there's no great surprise when you go from there to doing the vessel tracking off this MIP image. It again works very, very nicely. Perfect data set, easy to do all of the analysis. However, as patients have more calcification in vessels, as patients have more osteophytes in the spine, as it becomes more complicated, the bone removal becomes more difficult. And automated bone removal from dual energy really takes tremendous center stage in this area. And so, for example, a case like this where the common iliac is occluded on the left and there's a graph from the lower abdominal aorta to the external iliac, beautifully shown on volume rendering or MIP, this is where the automated bone removal with dual energy works so well, or in this case, with lots of vascular calcification. Now, calcification is an issue regardless of what technique you use, but there is some hope, as I'll show you with dual energy, to perhaps get around some of the problem. 
Now, with dual energy and CT angiography, you do have an improved contrast profile, which means you need less contrast, and I'll explain that why in a moment. Bone subtraction can be really streamlined. You may be able to do calcified plaque subtraction. I'll show you that. And you can get less radiation dose for a number of reasons, including the pseudo-non-contrast scans, which would eliminate the non-contrast CT in many applications. Now, dual energy, the key thing to remember, of course, the energy dependence of the photoelectric effect and the variability of K-edges of different elements form the basis for dual energy techniques. K-edge refers to the spike in attenuation that occurs at binding levels just greater than that of the K-shell binding because of the increased photoelectric absorption at these energy levels. And the K-edge, most importantly, will vary for each element, and they increase as atomic number increases. And so when you look at some of the common elements, but the one that's most important to us, calcium and iodine, there's a significant difference in the atomic number and so in the K-edge. And you can take advantage of that to be able to separate iodine from calcium, the ability to separate contrast from bone. Now, dual energy techniques, two ways of doing them. I won't go into both techniques. I'll just mention the fact that both supposedly work well. We have experience with a dual source scanner with two x-ray tubes, getting two data sets. Reports, as in this one on the GE scanner, are very successful in doing dual energy with this very, very fast uh, switching between 80 and 140 kVp, for example. With dual source scanners, you don't have that issue because you're scanning with two x-ray tubes. Uh, they vary with the kVp, and it's typically considered dose neutral. Now, in terms of what kVs to use, typically the question is 80 or 100, and then 140. Well, in some ways, 80 is better. Iodinated contrast shows an approximately 80% increase in CT attenuation at 80 compared to 140. Potentially provides lower radiation dose, and surely less contrast would be needed, and potentially a reduction in artifacts like pseudo-enhancement. The problem with 80, however, is increased noise in the images. At the lower KVP, photons have an energy level closer to the KH of iodine, so the contrast is enhanced, but the noise increases. And this can really affect the NPR and 3D qualities. There's an article by Santos Armentia, which is in press, which makes the point when they compare it 80, 140 to 100, 140, the 100, 140 was better because using 100, 140 increased the dose of radiation slightly, but improved the quality of the study of arterial segments and bone subtraction. So let's look at some examples. Some cases, honestly, I'm really good at bone subtraction in all modesty, hard to tell a difference. Here's a case with failed graphs on the right side you can see and so the computer will automatically remove bone. It's in blue. You see the vessels that are patent. You see the stents. And here I go from blue and I'm going to take the bone away just now showing you the stents as well as the vasculature that looks normal on the contralateral side for the most part. And here's a few more images. Okay? No problem at all. With the dual energy, equally well done, a little bit harder to see the graphs. We can optimize the visualization to show the occluded graphs. But very nice visualization of the vasculature and particularly of the smaller vessels. But I would say here I would put things as a push. What about this case? Look at the, the original data. All of a sudden I'm picking up the left common iliac 
as bone, which it's not. So I have to fix it. I'm then picking up some of the deeper vessels. I have to fix it. And then when you end up with a data set, your question always is, are the filling defects in the SFA real or is a computer-generated artifact? And it's really a problem because you can generate, as in this case, all sorts of artifacts. With dual energy, it's less of an issue. And you can see very nicely here that you can get very, very nice data sets, OK? And an image on your left, that left some of the bone in. An image on your right, the bone is totally gone. But you really, you can see going a bit further, have a very good feel of the true intensity of those lesions in the right SFA. Now, another potential thing you can do with dual energy is separate contrast from calcium. So if you look at this patient, one of the hardest things to do is quantify flow in the SFA. Is it narrowed? Is it occluded? What's going on? Well, here in this technique, you can separate the calcium. The problem is, in my experience, when you have minimal flow, at least you have some flow, and the calcium removal takes away that minimal flow. So it makes the images look really good. Look at these zoomed up views, compare the image on your left with the image on the right. But again, the accuracy thing becomes an issue. So it's sort of a work in progress, something everyone's looking at. I'm not sure it's going to be, it's not ready for prime time, but it's something to keep looking at. What about the head and neck area? This article by Lel makes the point that 100 and 140 kV are really good in the uh, supraaortic arteries, which means carotids and circle of Willis. And here's an example of carotids. And I'm showing you volume rendering of the carotids, occluded external, external carotid on the right. But then when I try to remove the bone to look at the base of the skull, look at the issues. The computer has a hard time. It doesn't take away all the bone. It starts taking away some of the vessels. I go in and I try to fix it. But there's so many slices and things are so close together. When you fix one, you mess up the other. And look what happens when you do the reconstructions. Look at all the dropout in the carotids on the right. Just you know it's all computer-generated artifact. And here's another set of images, particularly the sagittal. So you've created all sorts of artifacts because of the inability to accurately remove the bone. Dual energy, look at the quality of the data set. External carotid on the right is occluded, but look at all the other vessels. There is some problem where the axillary to subclavian vein comes in. It's so dense. And that is a potential artifact on dual energy when there's so much beam hardening you can uh, create a pseudo-lesion. But in general, look at these sagittal views. Look how nicely the carotids are seen, the intracranial circulation. And when I put the images side by side, image on your left is a single energy. Wow, look at the difference between single energy and carotid. One's a beautiful study. One has so many artifacts. It's unreadable. Same thing with Circle of Willis. It's just impossible to remove the base of the skull. Very hard. And here you can see what happens. I've removed it. There's some artifact from bone link being left behind. There looks like there's a lesion maybe in the interior part of the left circle of Willis. But dual energy, look how beautiful the circle of Willis is. Interior cerebrals, posterior cerebrals, middle cerebrals, everything is nicely shown. Here it is in sagittal and somewhat of a rotary view. Very, very nicely seen. And again, just look at the two things side by side, single energy versus dual energy. So I think if you want to get started with dual energy, the first thing you should do is start doing these bone removal studies. It's really the ideal application. It enhances your workflow and also enhances the quality of your images.
So concluding then, dual energy provides an ideal study protocol for imaging vascular anatomy, especially in anatomic zones where bone removal is critical and is difficult, base of skull, runoffs. The study combines dose-efficient imaging with decrease in post-processing time and potential more accurate studies. Uh, I think dual energy is really something you can see a lot of in the coming years, and hopefully we'll report back to you on some of our other applications. And with that, have a great day.